2: The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
4: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and I'm delighted to say this particular episode is the return of the Mando Report. <laughs> I uh, like the, the funky, relaxed guitar riff version of the Mandalorian <laughs> theme. That was awesome. Yeah. Soft strings, soft strings. Soft strings. We saw some of that. I can't wait to talk about some of the music. Uh, <laughs> I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making wonderful mouth music is Ken Nabsock. Ken, are you excited to get back into the world of The Mandalorian? More than I think I even
3: anticipated. Yeah. <laughs> the friends are back. The gang's back together. Sort of. Kind of. Fractured.
4: But they're here. (laughs) The gang's all here, but not together at all, really. Uh, Yeah, one of the big ideas of this episode. Yeah, I was really excited for the new episode. I'm excited for the new storytelling. But in some ways, I'm just excited for the mood, right? There's a specific kind of storytelling of this uh, Mandoverse of Din and Grogu together. And it was really great to just be back in that world, back in that mood.
3: Mm, It really was. It really was. Uh, I, I think uh, we'll get into some of the details of it there. Uh, but uh, we're in this wonderful, uh, wonderful time to be a Star Wars fan, which we have been, I think, for, well, all of our lives, but 2015 <laughs> on. It's just been a bounty, a bounty, a pirate's bounty, Gorian Shard bounty of Star Wars. And, and, and it was just a fun reminder to sit down and, and you get to sit down and
4: enjoy something new. Exactly, exactly. And we are going to dive deep into it. We do want to do a quick plug because we know these uh, uh, review discussion episodes are ones where we get a lot of ears. So we want to let people know that we are revitalizing our Patreon. If you're interested, you can go to patreon.com slash force center. We have a lot of different rewards, but in particular, we are going to be doing a special series of uh, other center episodes. We're going to be discussing Indiana Jones. It's a series of episodes we're calling Indiana Jones in the Perilous Podcasts. And we're going to be building up to the new Indiana Jones movie, Dial of Destiny. And those episodes will initially be exclusive to Patreon. After the movie comes out, they'll be available to the public. Uh, But if you'd like to join us for our Indiana Jones journey, where we'll analyze it, much like we analyze Star Wars, uh, go check out our Patreon and see if that's something that you want to be a part of. All right. Plug done. Back to the Mando. Uh, we are discussing here today Chapter 17 entitled The Apostate. It is written by John Favreau and directed by Rick Famayiwa. Uh, Rick Famayiwa, now one of the executive producers, and just great to see him uh, behind the camera for this ep- first episode of the third season. About 33 minutes of actual storytelling. Those credits for the international versions of mm. all the Disney Plus shows, I'm so glad they're there. But they are a little bit long, so you're, you're down to about 33 minutes of actual storytelling. Let's just start there. How did you feel about the length? Did you look at the length first? Are you concerned about <laughs> length and the Mandalorian? Uh,
3: the, uh, no, I, uh, I'm not. But it is, it, 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 it is always kind of fun. The, the Mandalorian tends to run shorter than you think and maybe even want, right? So I did not look at it, but I, I had uh, some, some bets, some prop bets placed with some friends about the, the over-under. And I took 27 minutes, including credits, and uh, I lost. I lost <laughs> a little bit more. And happy, uh,
4: happy with that there. You got even more Mando than you expected. That is great. Uh, We like to talk about our experience viewing it, literally physically viewing it. Uh, We love diving deep, but we also want to always approach it as fans. So did you do any kind of special prep? Did you stay up until midnight and have the full midnight experience? What did you do?
3: I've been working late a lot recently, so I just kind of was ready to be up. But, yeah, I, I slowed down, played some Fortnite, and drank some beer. That's what I did. It was like a college uh, Friday night, uh, which really, really I didn't even do that in college. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of fun. I had the the This Is The Way IPA did a, a YouTube short on our, our YouTube channel about it. I had discovered it uh, uh, in, in my local 7-Eleven. Clearly not licensed based on the artwork on the can, but it was a lot of fun to just pop open a This Is The Way IPA and, and drinking watch uh,
4: Mando. I really enjoyed your short. I enjoyed seeing the can and seeing that Mando does almost look like he's some kind of cat. So I feel like you maybe drank slash fiction uh, that you actually took (laughs) some strange. uh, Mando is both an armored person and maybe a furry. And you, you took that and you drank it into your body
3: yeah, I, I said Centurion in the video only cuz I couldn't comprehend uh, what I was truly seeing, but cat combo uh uh it's it's yeah, that that's the spirit of it. What I lo- what I love is, you know, like I I thought, well they did that artwork and check out the the short again for reference. I thought, oh maybe they did that to get away with not having the license. But the grogu spot on. <laughs> There's nothing they're hiding about that there, so hmm.
4: Yeah, maybe it's Mando uh, teaching Grogu about the Mandalorian version of Halloween, and he has just, you know, put on some cat ears and painted whispers. This is the way, <laughs> yeah, this is the right meow. <laughs> on all ancestors' eve, this is the way. Uh, that's great. And so did you enjoy the midnight experience? Was it good to be back to that? Did it give you any sort of sense of uh, community to be watching it with a lot of other people who were staying up? Yeah, no, it is fun. I got some texts, some uh, people uh, up late on
3: the East Coast uh, to, you know, revel in the fun and, 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 full, you know, as, as we always say, full disclosure, we we had access to the screeners and, and for the first two episodes and and, and hand to hand to Mandalore. I didn't watch him, had a slight temptation of, uh, you know, midnight's late, but I was already up and it's just fun. I haven't watched episode two. I'm not going to, cause uh, I just, I do enjoy it. And there's something about it. It's like sitting down for a live show. Like, you, you know, you don't have to hear about the play later. Uh, or see it before you could share the joy. You're watching it with everyone. And I do enjoy that. And and I've missed that with Bad Batch. We haven't done that for Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I made a point to do it for this one. It was fun.
4: Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed uh, the midnight experience. The ritual that I've set up of, you know, I check social media, see other people being excited about it. Uh, Phil Showstack in particular always ha- has all wings report in, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. great. Uh, I pour myself a whiskey and I pick out action figure friends to pose with the whiskey and take a picture of uh, for social media. And I have a bounty of choices uh, mm-hmm. for, for this show for um, Mandalorian and Grogu. I went with my retro Mandalorian in retro uh, Grogu, the child action figures. Cause I do just love that this show is charting an, a new path. It is literally in a, a more unexplored timeline of Canon. It is creating new ideas, new characters, new Canon. Uh, But it is still invested in that uh, young love and wonder about what Star Wars is. And those retro action figures really capture that spirit for me. Yeah,
3: uh, that's great. Uh, I wish I had room on my shelves.
4: (laughs) We'll make room. We'll go to Mandalore and we'll make room somehow. Uh, But yeah, it was was really great to get back to not only the show, uh, but that community excitement. Uh, about Mando. We'll probably talk about it a little bit. There was some crankiness uh, being generous on the internet about uh, the, the timeline of the show and, and some of that uh, got into into my soul. So sitting down for the Midnight Experience, seeing other people I- excited and seeing their pictures of what, <laughs> what toys they brought out and what drinks they brought out, uh, it, it really uh, got me back on the right track. So the social experience really helped me sit back and enjoy this episode
3: uh great to we'll look at it yeah happy to dive into some of that timeline uh um, hoopla and fervor um um later if we need to uh, if it comes up but uh yeah it it it, it got me exhausted already and, and and it put me in a weird spot that's why i think i was gonna wait till midnight and feel the joy because I, I was i was like i literally was like this episode has been dropped and i'm exhausted already with this, <laughs> this good stuff. well on take on it for me you know
4: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And I think it might come up naturally because I think it's a part of what I reacted to in the episode was uh, the clear passage of time. Uh, But with that segue, let's get into that. What was your overall reaction? How did this uh, episode affect you? Did you love it, like it, struggle with it? Where'd you go?
3: Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And let's just pretend I was on the red carpet and I did a, a vague tweet after. This is a fun romp. And I mean that it was a very fun romp. And as much as we heard about this, uh, this is going to be an epic season, which I'm sure this this will be an epic season of Mandalorian. Uh, I enjoy that it's still very much the show we've come to love. Right. It It's it knows what it is. It knows what it wants to do. And it knows how it presents it. And, and it was all that. It just was, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is a Mandalorian episode. And I, and I love that. And I'm glad we're in this era uh, of so many options of Star Wars programming. It's key to me. I had a chance to kind of reflect going back to 2019 when the show dropped. And Mandalorian is great and I love it. And, and all, all that is true. But I, I think some of the moments don't connect with me as much as it does for other people. Just some of the choices or the presentation. Sometimes I have, okay, okay. But now I don't, ha- 2019, I I put too much pressure on the show. And might have been a little bit like, I don't think that's Pedro Pascal walking there. I don't know about this. <laughs> and now I don't need to get hung up on it because, all right, if I want some more a serious presentation, i got got Andor. If I want a big, sweeping, emotional stuff that like the Kenobi or Bad Batch, it's all there. And this is that buffet you and I celebrate a lot. So this time I was able, once it started, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm back in this. And I know this. And so when the show does a Uh, present something in a way over kind of over the top space pirates or you know weird little jokes of wordplay or just grogo being cute i'm all i'm there for it in in a way that i I wasn't in 2019 again don't get me wrong love the show love talking about it love the characters have the merch buy the beer but uh, i just had a different experience three years into this show where i'm like oh oh yeah this i love this
4: yeah no i really i really like what you're saying of being able to pinpoint Uh, not because we have so much Star Wars because we have a buffet every piece of Star Wars doesn't have to be this is what Star Wars is period it is a an interpretation of everything that Star Wars can possibly be and Always being connected to the the roots and the origins of Star Wars and the the important uh, moral guardrails of what Star Wars is, in my opinion. But then exploring new stuff within that, which I think uh, mm. Andor does for sure, which Bad Batch is doing. I think Kenobi even did uh, by slowing down and having a little bit more of an indie film where yeah. <laughs> a middle-aged man, you know, decides to to. Keep trying uh, and you know, reattach to what he believed in uh, as as a young person, yeah, uh, and validate that and all that. But I feel like this episode was, um, it was a statement of what Mando has always been, what what this show, The Mandalorian, has always been, while also evolving. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the the world building was really great and expansive in this. We weren't mm-hmm. confined to like um necessarily like one place, one story, one image. There was all sorts of there's weird new pirate. Uh, the, how much the expansion of uh, Navarro city and all of the world building there that's being built on mm-hmm. seeing a uh, Bo-Katan's castle, seeing this new environment for uh, the children of the watch group of Mandalorians. There's all this great world building and, the uh the approach that these creators have to star wars of really looking at it is it is a an intergalactic variety show and it's intergalactic vaudeville and what i mean by that is a taste of everything this has big action it has wild sometimes kind of uh, wacky comedy it has like great profound heart and depth it has a little bit of everything the the fun and absurd mixed with the cool and profound. I feel like that's what these creators see star Wars as. And -hmm. that was so on display and, uh, and the Epic part, the, Mm -hmm. I feel like the stakes of the themes are getting, getting bigger, but also these were, these were big spectacle set pieces that in my opinion looked looked great on a technological mm-hmm. level the the beast mm-hmm. versus the mandalorians the asteroid battle uh those were clear evolutions to me from the technology and yeah. finances of mandalorian season one. Oh yeah great point you could just track
3: that in the growth of navarro that's how stagecraft has gotten better and better or whatever <laughs> the budget's have gotten higher and higher i uh, love it yeah i love the the space vaudeville thing it's a great great way to look at it uh, for a lot of different ways. The way I I, I react to that and connect with it is, that I, I'm going to say the name Gorian Shard for probably the rest of my life. I loved it. And that's a very kind of over-the-top, almost animated and live-action character with... Like pirate moss on his beard, like it's it's wacky <laughs> and wild. But then you have Nanzo uh, a, a, a nosy excuse me uh, from uh, from I know from Game of Thrones, Zaro Zohan house, uh, uh, there, and it's just like I I'm like yes, I'm eating my popcorn, going boo hiss boo hiss. It, it just feel like I'm right there. So I love I love the vaudeville connection there. That's that's fun. Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. Now in, in Gorian Chart is like a perfect example of that because you get this this feeling like oh he might actually be a real problem and might actually hurt yeah. people that we care about. Like I, I'm a little frightened of this guy. Also, he looks like a, a Chia pet that was attacked by gravity. Like <laughs> it's that classic star Wars. And, and the, this whole thing is, is that right. The whole show is let's take in some ways, like the most cool, badass, the, you know, mystery man under a helmet, lonely bounty hunter. And let's, pair him with the the, this cute borderline silly muppet and have that relationship break your heart (laughs) it it is really an investment in the extremes of star wars
3: yeah 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 no there's uh yeah was, we'll get to the big meat of it and, and by the way some of you might be joining us for either first time first time in a long time we, we talk about the whole experience of the show we talk about the themes we'll, we're not just here for the easter eggs and the beat by beat uh, recaps so bear with me here i want one more point joseph i i, I there was a moment in here we're going to discuss probably but but when when mando tosses grief uh, uh grogo to grief i thought this entire show is based around what is clearly a fun little prop <laughs> right <laughs> that's the magic of it like the the genius of Empire being uh, built, Empire Strikes Back being built on uh, a, a Muppet, including down to the 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 Hensons and the Frank Oz's of it all, right? Uh, that's that was the, just the genius and the big risk of Empire and Star Wars. And and here you got we're all just gathered around this this stage, this vaudeville stage, as you say, and it's clearly they're just tossing around a, a prop, and I love it. And I'm, and I'm invested and I'm there for it. And I'm like, you catch that little green friend uh, uh, grief. Uh, and I think that's the spirit of the show.
4: Absolutely. And you, you go back to the lesson of Yoda in 1980 in the Empire Strikes Back is, you know, don't judge based on appearances, even something that we can kind of dismiss as uh, silly can actually be the most profound and Im- important encounter you have you know and i think that yeah. spirit goes on of uh, the the cool things have meaning and the weird things have meaning and it all matters here here in mando world yep. um yep. the 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 other kind of big picture reaction i had to it is, is i did feel like it was an evolution in world building in size of the spectacle um but i really like that that was reflected in the mood and the plot. We'll get into the the big themes and ideas, but I feel like the episode felt like a breath of fresh air because a lot of time has passed and everybody is in a slightly different circumstance. Mando and Grogu have a different energy because they've come together and they've decided they're going to be uh mm-hmm. together, right? Mm-hmm. Um everything kind of has this this fresh energy because the main characters have a different perspective uh because of the time that has passed and because of uh really choosing one another not protecting one another clinging to one another but choosing one another and now the vibe is different
3: i think that is a wonderful point and it's a great big picture point it is a different that the choice the interaction the connection the name it's grogu all that stuff versus season one was i don't know what's going on season two is i'm probably gonna have to give you up anyways it, it absolutely is a different energy that's a great point
4: yeah, and I think for me that's uh, we we don't need to belabor the great uh, the great time wars that happened on uh, on social media <laughs> yesterday. If if anybody was uh, spared of that, uh, there was an interview uh, with uh, many of the creators, but but Favreau uh, said some things that I listened to the podcast, and to me it's a little bit ambiguous. Is he talking about the release schedule of? Uh, the actual shows in our real world, or is he talking hard, firm? This is the amount of time that has passed. Uh, People had some logistic questions about how much time has passed. Then on the red carpet, he clarified, uh, hey, yeah, definitely Grogu was training with Luke for a while, between zero to two years. (laughs) Yeah. He reframed it. And I, I think for me, what's important is the exact mechanics of the time aren't important Mm -hmm. or they would be in the show if the mechanics of the time were really really important in my opinion they'd be in the text what is in the text and what i think favreau is trying to communicate is it doesn't matter if it's uh six months or two years they have been apart and neither of them were doing well when they were apart uh they, they had a lot of time to grow together because maybe they were you know, those first two seasons. Maybe they happened over a slightly longer time than it feels like. So they really grew together. Then they were apart for a time that felt significant to them. They weren't doing well and now they have renewed energy as they come back and also everybody else we're following has had a chance to have a change in in station which we'll talk about and that to me is what's important it's about the heart of it it's not about whether it's three months or two years or does it exactly line up with with this beat i get having those concerns and conversations but to me the point is the heart of it the heart of this story they were away they didn't do well they're back together they've got a new energy
3: yeah, it is. It is all about the why, the why of the decision, not the nuts and bolts, the what in the house. Uh, I, I do like that stuff when it pops up. I I'm fascinated. I did not grow up concerned at all about how many days a new a new hope was. Uh, <laughs> it's never crossed my mind. And I get it. And it, It's fun. But again, it is the spirit of it. And I, you know, I, I, I fought in the Game of Thrones wars uh, back in the day. And the pilot episode uh, takes place over months. Just the, the King's Road itself is a 30-day travel time. So the opening scene with Jamie and, and and Cersei to the end is months. You don't feel it. You don't worry about it. you are just there for what 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 is going on and the why behind it and not the time. But I understand it. But I, the fervor, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't want to kick up the dust. And no disrespect to, to anyone who, I guess, just uh, couldn't stand that answer or didn't want to, uh, you know, didn't like it. I don't know. Uh, it, it just, it went a little too far and, and again, misses the point. How does Star Wars make you feel? And why does that work? That's more important than uh, on this particular date. Grogu completed six months of training.
4: Yeah, I, I get it. If you want to work through it for yourself, it, it's fun to work through and maybe even try to come up with like uh, ways that it makes sense of really spacing out like, okay, but this person left here at this time. And uh, what, what were these other characters doing? Like I get, I get having a fun conversation about it. I get wrestling with it. Uh, those things are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the conversations I saw like tipped into it just, anger <laughs> in dismissing the show and dismissing the work of the creators and for me that is the uh that is the the too far the anger about it is is not for me yeah yeah i would uh,
3: i would agree with you on that one
4: all right well then let's move on to big ideas in the show what were the themes what were uh, what was at stake uh where did you go with that idea
3: I uh, texted a a friend of ours, Alden, about 1 a.m. last night. I said, this episode is, is, I'm calling it emotional half-torsos. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and this idea that uh for me it cl- clearly a lot of things have moved on some some big missions have been completed in lives and new things have been built new homes established you could be a, a landed gentry if you stick around here but a lot of the players have defaulted their old programming it seems like i'm just pointing at the screen and saying hey that line that line that line but i thought that was a lot of what was going on here a- and we're fractured and we're scattered um, and that's kind of a play, as well as establishing this this big through line that that I think it's not surprising based on some of the marketing and interviews of of uh, you know what is what is a Mandalorian right big overriding theme and, and this question this season is going to finally maybe really be be just um, dug into but everyone is so disjointed and I love the way it begins because there's there's only one way and we see a lot about that there's only one way the way of the Mandalore so let's define that let's truly define that and and you have all these. F- people fractured throughout the galaxy and throughout the story and how, how can we connect them? What's the through line? Well, how can they all move forward to something new, but still be who they are?
4: Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And and I think this episode was structured in a way to kind of support uh, this idea of, of change and mm-hmm. is change possible? Uh, this was such a, a setting the table of, of ideas and of thematic stakes episode. We're we're used to Din having his one mission and being or a side quest because he needs he needs a loaf of bread, but first he needs to collect 30 goats, you know, kind of yeah. video game structure. And he's got his big mission to uh redeem himself in and go back to Mandalore. But he kind of pokes at it from lots of different directions in this episode. And I feel like that's kind of setting up everything that might be at stake. In this episode, but also playing with this idea of, is change possible? Mm-hmm. Um, all the characters that we meet are wrestling with the possibility of change or reverting back to their uh, old programming or being forced by others back mm-hmm. to their own programming. Mm-hmm. But I think the the big question hanging over Din is, will he change? Should he change? Can he change? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen him evolve quite a bit over these two seasons. And he's utterly committed to Grogu as a foundling, as this clan of two. He's now committed to actually being a dad, turning Mm -hmm. everything into a teachable moment, which is great (laughs) and fun. Uh, But also everything he's doing is to make up for this intimate connection that he chose to have Mm -hmm. with Grogu. Mm -hmm. And so he's really, really stuck in this, great energy of he is both evolving and benefiting from evolving and going out in the galaxy and being knowledgeable and making connections and making alliances and trying new things. So he's this picture of a progressive Mandalorian, but at the same time is also utterly determined to cling to the old ways. Yeah. It, it not only just what he knew, but that the, the life that he knew is all about uh the, the old ways, you know? And I think all of these things that just Din himself is going through in the episode are, are, is this fascinating push and pull between, uh, I want to see and try new things. I benefit uh, from new things, but also I'm not acknowledging that. And almost everything I say is trying to get something old back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. You said push and pull that, uh, this is uh, almost me just asking and putting things down on the table. It's like, I, I kind of felt particularly after the first viewing, all these characters are have made big changes or had big pushes uh, forward in their lives and, and choices. And then there's the we all do that. Right. We, we, we level up. We step up. We change. And then and maybe then things still aren't working or the new problems arise. And then you kind of step back a little bit. Right. Two steps forward, one step back, maybe type of uh, approach here uh and i just felt that even even navarro's great grief is wonderful just love carl mm-hmm. waters uh the the droids will talk all about the the cape but even he's kind of i i you know well we were, we're we don't want to connect to the new republic we, we've we come this far that no we're going this way this is who we are and again we can discuss what that might mean and everything that and and i'm not saying the new Republic is perfect but I'm, i i took that as kind of like oh okay you only want to go One direction with who you are. You got your Bo Katan who's made these big strides and 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 had this big purpose, and it didn't go the way as planned. And we didn't get to see the the details of that. She gets to describe it to us, and now she's questioning which is the you know which is the way for what is the best way. And they all have this. There's especially when it comes to Mandalore, which we know we're heading to. They all have this kind of thing to me of just like, well, it's poisoned. Well, it's nothing. There's no magic. Uh, uh, Armor is kind of like. Hey, I said I I told you you got to go there, but I don't even that that's not possible. It's just, it's not there anymore, and and that push and pull, as you said, I I felt that through everyone's storyline.
4: No, a- absolutely, I think that that push and pull is reflected everywhere, and I think it it sets the stakes really well for uh the entire season, mm-hmm. uh, but also just really for for Din himself in that he has. Uh, he has a different mission, right? He's used to being very transactional. He's used to being on a mission that he kind of, he has to do, right? Yeah. Um, this mission is extremely personal and emotional. And it's about himself, right? E- even the the personal mission to protect Grogu and to get Grogu to the Jedi was in service of the way and, you know, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. service of the child. This is for him, right? So on one hand, he's got his this this new mission that is personal and emotional to be a Mandalorian again, the way he defines it. But he's also on this new journey to be a father, which he's kind of played around with, but now he's all in, you know, he's yeah. he's got a handbook practically, mm-hmm. you know? So there's this push and pull even between his missions and uh, the things he's doing in this episode are a great push and pull. I loved his obsession with uh, with IG Eleven, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, IG Eleven, we've talked about. I know you love IG Eleven as this symbol, this lesson from Quill to Din mm. that you can change your programming, and that in particular, a father figure can help younger generations be what they want to be. Um, mm. Quill says, you know, droids aren't good or bad; they're they reflect who who trained them, who they imprinted on. He says that in the same episode that Grogu. Uh, chokes, mm-hmm. <laughs> Karad Dune, and Grogu selflessly heals uh, uh grief, and, and you really get that idea that that Din is learning. I need to show who 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 Grogu can be. I need mm-hmm. to exemplify that. So IG Eleven, you know, represents all these great ideas about growth and and change, and mm-hmm. Din's hatred of droids, and then learning that oh, droids can change, and now he's this symbol of 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 uh evolution and the new, he's now making into this encrusted symbol of old, right? With this absolute refusal. Everybody keeps trying to offer him a new droid. It it, it creates this really funny picture that I sometimes relate to of um when I go to a restaurant for the first time that I may be like, I don't know, I, I want to go to a restaurant I know. And then somebody mm. takes me to a new restaurant. And I'm like, ah, actually, this is awesome. And I found a dish I love. And now this mm. is one of my favorite restaurants. And I always have the exact same dish. <laughs> and Din's it, 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 got that, that vibe of like, okay, I, I used to have a dish that I ate, but I tried a new dish. And now that is the only dish I eat. <laughs> so it is both progress and clinging to the past at the same time.
3: Uh, so true, and I think it's something we can all identify with. Uh, I know, I know your go-to meals, and and everyone <laughs> probably knows mine. Yes, uh, so yeah, I, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah, the IG eleven thing just once once again, IG eleven kind of being the core of of themes and episodes. Uh, I, I love that about it.
4: Yeah, no, it, absolutely. Um, and you you did a great overview of kind of how everybody is is wrestling with some amount of change, but I'd, I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into. Into mm-hmm. the different sort of factions of of potential change, yeah. um, the children of the Watch are of course by their dogma um, unyielding. They resist change. There's a creed. It was written, you know, generations and generations ago, and they follow it, uh, even when it seems like maybe sometimes they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are determined to rebuild their old ways, and they have been forced to adapt to new circumstances. I love that we catch up with them, and it feels like they have—they've been in in the sewers of Navarro. They've been on uh, at least the covert of of two or three. There have been on the Ring Space Station. Now they've found a new environment that is getting closer to recreating what they had. There's mm-hmm. you know a cave. There's water. They've rebuilt the numbers uh, of the covert or, or brought them together, so they're getting closer and closer to recreating what they had. But I feel like that beast is a metaphor for like, (laughs) but it's still not perfect. You can you can't go home again because this is this planet, whatever planet they're on is literally not your home. And they literally don't know the rules of it yet. And that is literally coming out of the water to bite them. How did you feel about that image uh, of the Children of the Watch?
3: I was right there with you on that. I even wrote down this idea of Den saving the children to watch it is uh, some solid foreshadowing for the future and perhaps what the stake this season of, of, of him, him and his new way, his his new ship, his his new son, uh, but returning to, to literally save them uh, because uh, though they're skilled, though they have great um, traditions and pride and uh, honor and know who they are, that ain't currently working. <laughs> mm-hmm. A different way, uh, so everything about it, and I know a lot of people. I, I, I too had a, um, I thought it was a great opening sequence because I, 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 too had that, like, oh, are we flashing back? And and then, you know, pretty quickly, you learn that Wesley kemmel's probably not gonna be playing a young Pedro <laughs> Pascal, um, uh, Jimmy's kid, but uh, yeah, but I, I love it, just it, but it, 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 uh, I just love watching all that. I love, I, I here's an, and an I think it connects at least i hope it does but i love watching the armor build that helmet because it is it's is so organic in a way right uh and, and i think i've always looked and i think a lot of people have looked at mando tech it's just, it's, it's uber sci-fi right it's, mm-hmm. it's super commandos and it's super tech and and yes even they fight it they built it to fight the jedi but but really slowing that process down we've seen her work before we've seen her magic before but to, to see how that helmet was built and what that technological achievement done in such a hands-on intimate way I watch her carry that out. And it becomes this big, uh, spiritual tradition and, and, and the touch and the skill that, that, that is all intertwined in that and, and how it really is so personal really had affected my way. I looked at Mando armor in a way that previous two seasons have, have, have brought up, brought to my attention, but I haven't slowed down enough to look at it. But then all that being washed away, uh, so quickly uh through the dangers of that world and then din Shun was saved day I'm with you maybe I overspoke on it but I loved it I love that opening
4: I, I don't think so I think you know it is a great action set piece to keep up the the action end of Star Wars and kick mm-hmm. off uh, Mandalorian season three in a big way but I feel like it is uh showing us who who the children of the watch are showing us uh, who din is uh there are these beliefs in the children of the watch that I think uh, a lot of us, Feel coded as admirable right um Mm -hmm. loyalty and solidarity are the way uh din says in in the book of boba fett episode to the armor and look at them all trying to work together trying to use their tools uh Mm -hmm. protecting foundlings is extremely important to them they're all trying to keep the kids safe they're following the way yeah and it still isn't working and i so agree with you din just comes flying back in in his modified ship that represents change having been around the galaxy uh saves the day with this perspective of the of new and change and evolution and and much like when he returned to the covert in book of boba fett we talked Mm about just totally got this attitude that din is the friend who moved away and his high school buddies (laughs) let him come to the bar but they don't like him (laughs) they don't like that he went away and they're suspicious of him Maybe thinking he's better or different or got some newfangled idea. Um, Mm -hmm. I was really affected by the evolution in the armor. She's always been even and stoic, right? Even when she's like, then you are, you know, a Mandalorian no more. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that I felt like we really heard Mm -hmm. emotion in her voice. It sounded like she felt betrayed. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember when I made your helmet when you were that age, right? and and you you ruined it you're you're a son who hurt his parent right the Mm -hmm. the way she said you have removed your helmet and the way that din really makes the argument of like okay so you you, when you told me about the living minds of of mandalore you weren't sending me on a quest you were telling me that it is impossible and now when i come back to you with all this great energy saying it's possible i'm gonna do it it mm. seems like she doesn't want to follow the creed the way she says, yeah, this is the way it's like, she he's hurt her and she wants him gone was the energy that I got. Yeah. And he's determined to, to follow this creed. It was almost like that first time when she wanted to be like, yes, I mean, I got to accept you back. Uh, yeah. if you do that, cause that is the way, but I kind of don't want to. <laughs> yeah,
3: Emily swallows. This is the way. Just- yep. Big shrug, kind of like. Uh, oh, I, I love that point that you made. Uh, even even into the action, we've seen her in action before, and it's great, right? Uh, I love some of the stuff uh, that we've seen uh, with her before. You and I have always said we, we love the armor. We really uh, really appreciate Emily Swallow's performance. Uh, but you know, there's some questions we have about the armor <laughs> and some of your beliefs and some of your choices. Um, but I love watching work. But even 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 with the the creature. Uh, her fighting it, um, you know, I, I, all the way through was something different. It was a little less controlled, a little more emotional. I really agree with that and, and really agree with that conversation that you're talking about there. And it's like Din, Din's energy of, you know, you know, hey, I've got evidence. Uh, look here. Well, yep, this proves that we can't go to that planet. But someone went there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's not poisoned. I don't know. I don't know. Even, even Boca Tad, obviously, we'll talk about his energy. But so I, I just love, um, I love where Din's at, but I, that's a great observation about uh, the armor
4: yeah yeah and I'm, and I'm curious to see how it plays out and, and i'm not saying i have found the secret that's the mm-hmm. truth of the scene i what i really like about the way that uh favreau writes and so many of the directors direct is you know an emotion's there but you don't necessarily know exactly what it means so i'm i'm this is total speculation but to me it really felt like she's hurt by him and of just wants him gone and doesn't want him to redeem himself.
3: Well, yeah, but I'll, yeah. And I think that's, again, the power of that opening sequence. It, it is. I love that you said it's, it It fulfills Star Wars deal with all of us. We'll give you some pew, pew, pew uh, uh, at, at this big scene. But just the connection between uh, her and, and and the young family as he puts helmet on. She's very clearly this mother figure, very clearly this leader. And it, again, it isn't just you got your helmet it's very personal important. And so you know, you you just imagine Din doing that some 20 years ago or whatever it is. Uh, and 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 uh, it it um, you get the connection. So that sets up the hurt. Sets up what she's expressing, I think in that scene.
4: And it sets up really well. It's one thing for Din to tell us in that, you know, great emotional mm-hmm. scene with with Omara that, you know, he was very young when he first put on the helmet and has, hasn't mm-hmm. taken it off in front of anyone since. We we get it seeing a child that age go through with it go through it with the <laughs> with, yeah. with the kid mando helmet made me feel din's commitment and din's loss and din's yeah. need to be reinstated um on a more emotional level yeah totally totally love that well let's uh let's travel with the mandalorian uh from that interaction with the uh, children of the watch wrestling <laughs> with change <laughs> Not their favorite thing, uh, mm-hmm. to somebody who deeply wants change. And that is Grief on Navarro, uh, is really great. I know you and I both just did a, a recent rewatch of Mandalorian season one, two, and Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. So it's great to see that Grief has accomplished exactly the change he said he wanted. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I can make this place a, a vital trading post, most important place in the Outer Rim. And we get that in that kind of uh, funny robot Navarro greeting, that uh, almost like it was going to ask uh, Din to you know listen closely. As many options may have changed, um, <laughs> phone robot uh, saying the yeah. independent trade anchor and outer rim hyperlane port of Navarro. The other droid saying, calling it the gem of the outer rim. So we saw the beginning of this change, but now we see this explosive, expansive growth. This sense of accomplishment, and then of course. Uh, the past, the pirates, trying to drag grief and Navarro back from the change. Uh, w- what really resonated with you there?
3: I think number one, I think the the, the beauty, the expansion of Navarro. I might take grief up on his uh, his offer there. I was as as Din's flying in. I was like, I'd, I'd get a spot out over the hill maybe a little bit out of town so i can get some space move <laughs> in yeah i'm on and and, and, it, and it's fun and, and we can joke about you know tracking the the budget of the show growing with navarro but it's it's um it's truly a, a good part of the story and, and the pirates very clearly all out there and grief's a fascinating character to me because like i said i i think his heart is uh I think his heart's in a good spot. I think he's still, you know, he's very businessy, uh, landed gentry, an old, old British historical kind of term for landowner. That could, you know, that's that could uh, be weird. But uh, um, I just, I, I, I am fascinated by some of the things. Great change, but hey, we're going to do this ourselves. Something I respect, but we're not going to be part of a larger community, at least not yet. Um, and then you got the past always coming back. Always going to come back to to not just haunt you, but to tempt you to stay how you were. So I love watching him deal with that and stand tall as, as as a big blustery character as he is. Uh, Hi, magistrate, loved all that, loved all that. But um, that was a great personal moment.
4: Yeah, there's there's great comedy. There's great world building. Uh, mm-hmm. Great to just see all of the fun Star Wars uh, weirdos, <laughs> new and old all on the streets. All, all sorts of just great uh, world building. Uh, but yeah, I think the thing that I'm I'm most affected by is is it's coded as the yeah the pushing into the new. It's it's to me coded in American pioneer pushing forward. so When I worked for the Minnesota Historical Society, you know, I got to learn a lot about the way that uh, different communities, as they uh, pressed out into the west, would advertise. A lot of the identity that that Minneapolis and St. Paul, the Twin Cities where I grew up still has, is based on we're going to say these things about ourselves, but we're not we're telling it to ourselves, but we're actually mostly putting it in newspapers that we ship back east Mm -hmm. (laughs) to convince people from the coast that this is what we have to offer you know Mm -hmm. the it was a boosterism and and the um there's some specific lines of dialogue from grief Carga that he's like a total booster of like Mm -hmm. oh we got jobs we got the mines Uh, hey we got hot springs hot springs if you look into the the history of america expanding westward is a Every, every place that w- could have a hot spring for your health had a hot spring for your health. It was, it, they, it's a lava planet. So uh, fair enough at the hot springs, but there was that real tie to, mm. to real history there. Um, yeah. it, it was interesting to me. Um, but I loved how direct there's a lot of, you know, ideas of change and push and pull, but this was some of the most direct of grief saying, I want to leave my violent violence in mm. the past. I want to have this peaceful community. I got some ego tied up into it for sure for sure yeah but the the pirates trying to drag him back from change literally to the cantina and to violence you know grief mm-hmm. saying that is a school now and uh, the pirate vane saying i say it's still a bar uh, mm-hmm. vane saying you paid us for murder and mayhem inside these doors and it's that kind of classic star wars thing of like you were this once so you can never be anything else mm-hmm. you know it's it's the the belief that traps Kylo Ren from from trying to turn away from the dark side like i committed to it nobody's ever going to forgive me i did yeah. it once i'm i'm stuck um mm-hmm. i thought that was really interesting and also you know a, a lot in this episode about protecting kids having space for kids it, mm-hmm. i thought mm-hmm. the fact that the school was really in, invoked uh, again yeah. was powerful
3: yeah i even mean, go back to the, the mandos right to get the get the kids up into the caves yeah uh, uh, Absolutely love that, yeah. It runs through everything. I mean, look, we just went through a uh, book of Boba Fett, uh, Cad Bane. Oh, I yeah, I know who you are. It, it, you know, anything else is weakness. Uh, you know, you think you know, it, it runs through so many things. And just in that um, fun little piratey scene, but um, love uh, love watching grief grief stand stand tall with what he wants to be.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. And if you ha- heard a small voice say, hi, my the ghost in my phone started playing a voice message. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a robot in my house. Uh, just robot a ghost.
3: We're, we're good. <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, the ghost in my phone. Um, so m- moving on from Navarro, we already talked a little bit about, I, I think everything going on with IG-11 is this symbol of, of both... Uh, forward movement and the possibility of change and then then did being dug in on uh i need this one this one is my friend yeah <laughs> do you have any any other uh, thoughts about ig11 and in the amount of the episode that was dedicated to uh, din's obsession that he needed destroyed
3: i like i like his point i don't know if it was brendan wayne latif Crowder or anyone who, who was uh, at that, that point was that i need this one this one was solid um i'm just i was happy to you know we knew that we knew that statue was going to be there right that had been in a lot of the trailers and promo shots and stuff Uh, But to actually have it, uh, uh, that directly affect the plot and, 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 and hearken, you know, back to what we learned from IG-11 to even, even, you know, the first, uh, the dialogue that is being used that is uh, from episode one of the show. That was just, Mm -hmm. I really like this. It's a a good use of that, uh, that character. We'll see. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And and, and for me, it's, it's really intriguing too, that that statue was there in season two, you know, Mm -hmm. but when they put that in, was that a, was that a fun detail? Or did they know they were building to this story? Um, I think there's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to get into all of the discussions of should all creative things have elaborate plans or not and uh, all that. <laughs> but it's it's stuck. To, it, it felt to me like, oh, this is a gift. We, we kind of put this in the background thing is, is fun. You know, mm-hmm. of yeah. of course, grief would would honor him and, and grief's a, a a salesperson. This is a great way to have everybody build up like this is the hero of the town. Right. Yeah. Uh, hey, but now that that's there, that's a storytelling possibility. That's, to yeah. me, the kind of great you throw an idea out there and then something can blossom from it. Yeah. 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 Uh, love that. Love that. Uh, Speaking of blossoming, let's talk about the opposite of blossoming. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) What's happening with poor Bo-Katan. I think she's kind of our our final vision of of wrestling with change. She had a lot of great energy and forward movement. The kind of energy and forward movement that Din has for his mission. Uh, She was trying to make change. She had a plan. She had allies. She had resources. But she failed to make change. And now she's just hanging out <laughs> on her depression throne, uh, in my opinion. Uh, how did you feel about the, the Bo-Katan uh, ideas of change? It, it looked like she started a
3: digital media company with her friends that folded in a year, and she just had that, like, there's no, there's no point in any of this. There's just no point. Absolutely no point in this. I uh, loved everything about it. I love that we got it right away. Uh, again, going to, you know, a lot of the trailer stuff seemed to, spring forward from this episode, which I love, you know, that we still got a lot of room for surprises, uh, but just love that this sets the sets uh, sets the tone for what we got going on and what's the the big thing with Mandalore and her, her, her thing too, you know, I mean, I uh, love some lines, your cult gave up on Mandalore long before the purge, where were you then? And in that, it's been something we'd heard before I think in one of the trailers, and that to me, the energy of the conversation, I, I was expecting something different not her just kind of being like everyone left me You got that sword? Wave it. There's no magic in any of this. There's no purpose. All these traditions are gone. Nothing, nothing. Everyone's mercenaries now. Mandalore has been plundered and and purged throughout time, Um, used and abused by so many people, maybe even us as well. So there's just nothing. There's nothing left to join, she says. And um, now we got her. I think it starts to answer the question of of of, of the first time she lost the, the dark saber and what it means to her. And, and, and when you get so close and then you lose out, uh, you know, it's not just about change, but when you lose out or, or you feel you lost or you're down and depressed, that's a great way to look at it. Um, you just feel as there's nothing there. And for her to be, that's her starting point. Uh, point I'm excited to see where she can go because we need that side. We need that. We need what she represents. I think she is uh, has an understanding of what the children who watch are at their most destructive. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and, and we need these two kind of ideals to marry. So to see her being so far down and out, not rooting for depression, but it was fun, it was fun for me to watch. I, I got it. I liked it.
4: Yeah. I, I, I really like Bo-Katan's perspective that she has known the extremes, right? When she says... Mm-hmm you know, your cult and all the other splinter groups have made it impossible for us to come together. She's talking about herself, you know, mm-hmm. hiding out on a moon is a full fledged member of death watch, right? right uh, she right. has been to the extreme that the children of the watch, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I- intriguing to me if, if the, those mm-hmm. are actually related since, you know, the, the mandos we see rescue child Din. you know, have the mark mm-hmm. of the death watch on them. Um, so she knows the the extremes of those old ways. Uh, mm. But she, if we're to believe some of the stuff we saw in Rebels, she swung much closer to her sister Satine's sensibility of like, we mm. have to defend, we have to protect, but just lashing out for revenge, that's, that's only going to hurt yourself. I, I feel for the character Bo-Katan, who's like, I've tried it both ways mm. and nothing works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what's what's really intriguing about where she is now. We met her when she had a lot of hope, I think, for the possibility of change, but in, in particular rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. We can bring all the Mandalorians back together. We can, we can go back to our planet. We can rebuild. We can start again. Rebirth, which mm-hmm. was both practical and the sort of the spiritual and the mythic, and I love that she was down on the practical, but real, real down <laughs> on the spiritual. Yeah. And the mythic, right. The, the quote of like, yeah, they're not gonna follow anybody, uh, without the dark saber. And when she says, uh, not you lead them, wave that thing around and they'll do whatever you say. What, what a dismissive thing for mm-hmm. a Mandalorian leader to say about the dark saber. And then yeah. when she gives him the information about the minds, like it, it was mine. It was a mine or Beskar, or came from it. That was great, but there's nothing magic about the minds of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, really attacking uh not just sort of like the mythic and as she says the superstitious there's this line between believing in in larger ideas that that i think can of course tip into superstition Mm. but then there's also like we have to invest meaning in symbols meaning in places meaning in in groups Mm. in order for us to be inspired and keep going as a culture that's that's my belief Um, and I think that's a little bit of what's at stake of like the children of the watcher may be verging into like just superstition, rigid, Mm -hmm. dangerous superstition. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no flexibility. Things can only be done this way, the old way. Uh, now Bo-Katan has lost all hope in this sort of the, yep, it is just a blade like any other lightsaber. It is special. But, hey, if we invest this meaning into it, if we if we choose to give it this symbolic power, it will help us. The sort of the, the healthy version of that. And mm-hmm. both are kind of lost. And I feel like Din's final line of I will find out if the planet is really poisoned. Yeah, is obviously practical, but but it really is like, is the past really poisoned? Can we find a future by looking at our past? Is there a power there that could still bring us? all together and give us meaning and two of the big influences in, in his life are like new. No. <laughs> the yeah. armor and Bocatan are both like there's nothing there and, and that's his renewed mission to be like i do think there is something there at the the heart of what it means to be a mandalorian
3: yeah i, I really love what you're saying there it, it's a great thematic end to this episode and setting him up for what's going on how it is um again yeah you're right in the past it, it, it's 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 these missions he accepts it's the transactional nature now here he is uh, asking uh, for help and, and it's fine, I'm going to go determine this myself. And maybe the answer is, yeah, you're right. It is poison. Maybe it doesn't matter. Or maybe it's everything. We have to find out. We have to find the way forward here. And I'm going to go do it. That was a great uh, setup for what's to come, uh, but also just a great scene in its, in itself
4: yeah just an amazing scene i you know i think we've all kind of expected bo katan to be chomping at the bit to fight him for the darksaber and and maybe that moment will still come i think that's a good uh possibility but it was great to see her uh down on her luck and to see other we didn't we just hear her tell us about it, but it is yet another moment of people trying to change and falling back into old ways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, these Mandalorians, apparently, maybe we don't know, but Koska Reeves, Axe Woves, people who seem close to her, also won't follow her without the Darksaber. Uh, they revert back to uh, just using their skills to be mercenaries, like mm-hmm. what, what Din has evolved from. That's powerful, mm-hmm. too.
3: Yeah. 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 And it was just, yeah. I sense the sadness and I feel it and I get it. I think it was a very real moment. Very real moment. I keep we keep saying depression, but just um the slouch, you know, <laughs> the 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 ruler on a throne that uh maybe doesn't want to be there anymore, uh uh for various reasons. Um just loved it. And I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting especially some again, some of the trailer stuff. Some of the shots, there's there's some shots maybe we haven't seen, so I won't go into them. Mm -hmm. But like, um, I just had, I I was expecting a different energy. Like a more of a, you bleep, what are you doing here? Like, where were you? Mm -hmm. That is just kind of this, I
4: don't know, nothing matters.
3: Nothing matters. (laughs) Yeah, I I was
4: not expecting sweatpants Bo Tan, uh, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which I really related to. I think it's really hard that, you know, I I know I am not alone in this. There, there are things I want to accomplish and I'm proud of myself for feeling like I'm doing everything I can. And then sometimes you're not making the progress you want and you just, you just want to be in your sweatpants on your throne, mad at everyone and everything.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Uh, other, other big idea that I thought was, uh, woven through this episode and i think is going to be central going forward is just the idea of of parenting um yeah we talked about a lot but we we see the the rigid way a child is brought up by the children of the watch and and the the compassion of that culture and its emphasis on taking care of of the the foundlings, um which makes us feel the depth Mm -hmm. of den's connection there um but there's grief is in kind of a paternal role, even right. He kind of wants to be the town's dad. His ego is invested in it, but he's still mm-hmm. like, "I'm the high magistrate. I'm gonna make. I'm nobody else is gonna mess it up. I'm gonna make this great for everybody. Don't worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, t- it. T- town dad's got it. Yeah. Um, and then you know, probably the most central thing is is everything going on with Dan and and this great new energy of his commitment to being a dad. I, I mm-hmm. it was in the trailer, but I love that it's it's not just the practical it's the philosophical of like okay if the kid is back with me mm. it's permanent i am going to teach him what i think is important you know yeah. being yeah. a Mandalorian is not just about learning how to fight you also have to know how to navigate the galaxy even down to some of the great comedy stuff of grogu you know squeezing the anzellan in in, mm-hmm. in mando mm-hmm. sorry about that he's young you know yeah. there yeah. there's a real awareness of grogu's changed too he's he's not he seems more engaged, uh mm-hmm. less cautious, less frightened. But he still needs to be parented by Dan. How did well, you feel about all that?
3: Well, here's where I'll start. A question again. I've watched it a few times, uh, but even his new pram isn't he? he he's kind of controlling that, right?
4: Yep. It seems like he's controlling it, and we we it might have a lid, but we're not seeing it. So just visually, yeah. you know, I don't think you even need to go like ah, this one doesn't have a lid. It right. just feels more open, so you feel it. You know. Is you're watching?
3: Yeah, the spirit of it more open, and then I I swear at one point he has his hand on like a control, <laughs> like a wheel, like a little button or something, and, and uh, obviously a far cry from where we we were first are with him and din when din's kind of controlling him on on the wrist and everything. Uh, and not a big moment, but I just I just took that different energy. If, if he's out and about, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, he could he could turn left if he wants, he could turn right, he could turn back around. Uh, so now there's definitely some choice there for him to uh, pilot around, and then it also adds another layer of. Uh, not just protection that didn't need to provide for him, but understanding that, hey, you know, you're in that by yourself. So let me help you through that and and, 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 and imprint on you what I, uh, I am in, in, in the best way I can. Um, so I love that. I love that energy. I love seeing that. I love, we'll, we'll talk about the Purgle, of course, and the connection. Mm-hmm. But I just love, you know, Grogu. It, to me, I read that scene as Grogu seeing what is really there, uh, seeing what others maybe have missed. Yes, this is you know we haven't other than rebels we haven't had this so it's new to some folks. Um, we we'll can talk about that in a bit, but mm-hmm. this girl go connected to something bigger? And and that's um, that's uh, not a parent, but I have been a, have been a kid, still am, have been a child, and 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 just that's got to be you know that's got to be terrifying for a, a parent uh, this big giant world, and you got your own pram. Let me try to do the best I can to set you up because I'm in it. He's made space for Grogu, right? Literally Mm -hmm. and and spiritually and, and, and he's committed to that. So I think it's going to be a theme throughout indeed.
4: Yeah. And I love that. I love just seeing the way the N1 is set up that Grogu has his own room, (laughs) (laughs) but if he gets scared, he can come sleep with daddy.
3: (laughs) And then come on downstairs. Yeah. Love
4: that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that it's, it's, um, I love his new energy. He's always observed and been kind of taking in the world, but like he's very mm-hmm. fast to duck, to hide, to, to step away. Mm-hmm. And he seems like he's really listening. Like it, there's a vibe almost like he's, he's a little bored by some of the adult conversations, but he's listening and he's taking them in. There's that great shot between him and the armor where he's really taken in all, mm-hmm. all this information. And he's kind of staring at the armor Like, what are we going to do about this armor? And she kind of gives him that slow dead pen look of like, yeah this thing, does this thing have an opinion about this? <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: Yeah. 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 No.
3: yeah just different energy all around. I love that. I love it.
4: Yeah. Um, one other, uh, idea that I, that I wanted to share here is a very small thing, but it was just, I don't know if it's just there to be playful or if, or if you felt anything else from it. Um, uh, I'm not, I won't call it a theme, but there is a repeated beat of a joke about joke or revelation about the way we ingest uh film and television um there's the term diegetic versus non-diegetic um non-diegetic is what most music in film and television is it's external to the world you know the the characters are not aware of the soundtrack you know luke doesn't know that you know the binary sunset is just (laughs) slapping while he's staring right um and there are a couple beats in this episode where the music initially sounds nige- non-diegetic and then is being revealed is actually internal to the the world of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear those drums that we're very familiar with as the armor is, is hammering that helmet for the foundling. And then we cut to actual drums being played as part of the ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When Mando goes to Navarro, we, we hear what is to me like really good but funny space Renfest music <laughs> and then we walk by that little uh busking band and yeah. the, the the captions even say group playing folk music so it happens twice you know there's there's a famous Mel Brooks a bit about it where there's a whole orchestra you know and in, mm-hmm. in all that uh, what do you make of that why do you think that's there twice in this episode that we think that we are hearing something that is you know just for our ears, but it's actually internal to the world, to the story we're watching.
3: Oh man, this is great. I, I love this challenge here. I, 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 let me go this direction. What you think you, you're hearing in your head is actually, um, affecting the world around you. <laughs> How, about <laughs> How about that? Uh, I was a little bummed that we didn't have like, uh, some, uh, depressive emo like some uh you know paramour playing while Bo tan is is uh
4: <laughs> sitting on the throne um me cut to the like you know, max rebo on a keyboard playing these yeah. really depressing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Early, angry early early paramour
3: angry yeah. depressive uh riot stuff yeah i i love that um Yeah. No, that's where I'd go with it. And and yeah, you do, you do know, I love, again, love that opening sequence, even to where the sounds and the music, the drums we're hearing over the opening logo, right? The the helmet Mm -hmm. logo. So that's where I would go with it. Just a reminder of, uh, you know, of of what's in your head can affect those around you.
4: Yeah. I I think for me, it just, it it made the different states of, of the cultures pop. It it Mm -hmm. made it feel like this is the mood we want to convey. This is this mm-hmm. is part of our ritual, you know. And there are two rituals, right? One is this ancient, you know, a, a right. And this is this is the music. These are the flags. This is the formation. This is the bowl, right? This is the way. It's so tied up in that, and <laughs> that the I don't think that group is Buskin. I think uh, I think uh, that uh, that grief had auditions picked them out in particular because they got exactly the right low key fun shopping vibe for, for the courtyard, you know, uh, it's so on purpose. And I feel like letting us see that it's a part of the world reminds us that both of these, these musical choices are the choice of the characters?
3: You no, know, I look. I haven't worked in malls for years. Occasionally, you hire a you know a, a, a choral group to go around and sing during the holidays. Yeah, uh, and it's the mood. I absolutely, to your point, I absolutely did not take them as just setting up shop and and, and collecting credits in a, in a guitar case. I I thought grief wanted to set the tone, a mood. You, you mentioned like the droid and everything. The droids walking around talking about it too. Yep. And that's where the gem of, of the outer rim, it makes me think of like, you know, Reno, the best little city in the world or some kind of, it's a, it's a chamber of commerce, commerce uh marketing. <laughs> there. And so I think the, I took it as the music uh, uh, was there on purpose. Very much so.
4: Yeah. Uh, Grief's uh, selling Star Wars keychains that say gem of the outer rim, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, any other uh, big picture thematic ideas before we move on?
3: No, no, we definitely got to them all
4: for me. Uh, final thing for, for the first chunk of our podcast here is we always like to talk about the title because sometimes the titles in the Mandalorian book of Mandoverse in general can, can have some great, uh, ambiguity. Uh, this one is, uh, the apostate, um, the actual dictionary definition in our human world of, uh of apostate uh, (laughs) leads to the act of uh, apostasy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apostasy is an act of refusing to continue, follow, obey, or recognize a religious faith, abandonment of a previous loyalty. Mm -hmm. Um, And it all, of course, tracks, but I think it's intriguing because that's the label being given to Din. Mm -hmm. That's what Din's going around the galaxy telling people what he is. (laughs) I'm an apostate, but he didn't choose it. He didn't want it. Right. Right. So yep. how do you, how do you reckon with that? We went to the
3: same spot. I did this like, and I remember, you know, and folks, it's, you hear a word that you've heard your whole life and you're like, hold on, let me actually, let me actually look that up. Right. Yeah. I do this a lot. <laughs> I do this a lot. Especially because sometimes you might learn that that phrase you use, oh, maybe you shouldn't keep using that. Right. You'll learn about where stuff comes. I do this a lot. So I did this when, when, when Paz Vizza said this in, in Book of Boba Fett and I redid it here today. And you're so right. Someone who was once part of something, but rejects it but can return. Uh, but also one that embraces an opinion contrary to previous beliefs. And, and I just, I keep going to the title is the apostate, but I'm like, I am like i don't know, maybe Bo-Katan's more the apostate than he is right now at this point mm. or, or the armor. Like, but, but I, he keeps calling himself that. So I, I think I take it as a reference to him, but I'm like, I think you're, he might discover that that, that is, that is not who he is. And that's that maybe it's, it's not fair that, that a lot of this, this idea of Dennis trying to return with a new perspective, 'Cause mm-hmm. he he hasn't rejected he keeps saying this is the way. And that's why I went back earlier I was like, We're gonna we're gonna find out what that way is. If the way is the way of Mandalore, well, now we really need to define what that is because there's different versions of it. And there might always be different versions of it. And they, maybe that's part of the point. And, and so it's very interesting to me that, uh, yeah, again, he's, he's feeling that. But how often do we all say maybe bad things about ourselves that aren't 100% true? And uh, you got to work your way through it and find yourself in that. So I, I, I went to the same direction you did, that it didn't 100% match up. But maybe that was the point. I don't know.
4: I think it's the. I think it's the point. I mean, I think it's you know diving a little deep because I think y- yeah. you know you, you could say that that's the term for somebody like this. Yes. But the the specificity that the word in in our human world means somebody who chose to do this, um, yeah, is fascinating because we've never got that answer. has been told he's not a Mandalorian anymore, but he still follows the way. You know, when when uh, in the final episode of Book of Boba Fett, when Boba Fett's like you know. Do you do you want to run? A lot of people run, and you'd be like, "No, if we have to die here, I'll do it in the name of honor." You know,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: this is the way. And there's that funny interaction where <laughs> Boba says, "You you still believe that BS?" And <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Yes, this is the way." And Boba's uh, yeah. <laughs> like, "Well, good, good for me." So he's. Yeah. He, I don't think Din has ever said, "I'm not." I don't agree. I'm still a Mandalorian. I can make this yeah. right. You know, and so it's got this interesting. He doesn't want to be an apostate. He broke the rules, but he didn't want to walk away from mm-hmm. anything else. And so it is a term in identity that is being, that he's allowing to be forced on him. Yeah. yeah. He could just walk away and say, I am mm-hmm. a Mandalorian. This is, this is the way for me. I was, I learned many wonderful things, but. Mm -hmm. I'm going to evolve and change. And and he's not. He's still going around the galaxy going, (laughs) Uh, mom gave me a D, you know, (laughs) Uh, so that that's that's my definition. Now I'm a D minus person because that's what I was assigned to be, you know.
3: Yeah, 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 even because, you know, he he chose to take the mask off going back to uh, the believer episodes, looking at that one in particular but uh you know ig11 but the ig11 was a droid and then and then of course in the rescue but but i go to that one in in the believer episode and yeah he chose but like in his heart isn't he kind of like it's like he keeps kind of saying to this to the armor like yeah but but don't we preach this like what what's the reason we say that like what do we do all this stuff if not to protect someone like rogu i did it for out of the kindness and the, and the good intentions of my heart like like eh, all right but you're saying i ain't it so I guess that's what I'm at, what I am. And yeah, again, I agree with you too. It's a general term
4: and everything, but, but
3: yeah, I don't know. I spent a lot of time thinking about that today.
4: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I, I just really think it's interesting because I think it's at the heart of this choice that he's not making yet. He's got all this great renewed energy, but he isn't mm-hmm. yet going, Hey, you know what? It was fine to show my kid, my face. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. The, and that's the question is, will he get to a point where he goes, I did everything. I went. Ba- I bathed. Hey, I found a mythosaur. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got this dark saber. Turns out I'm leading all a Mandalore. Uh, you know what? Maybe I can decide <laughs> what I do with my helmet or not. You know what the way is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we also like to throw in here anything you disliked or questioned. Uh, since uh we spent a lot of time talking about what, what we're really finding in the episode, was there anything that didn't work for you?
3: No. The only the only thing I'd say is is um. It, it it there's there's like three different plays in this in this uh episode which is totally fine and i think um it wasn't a problem it was just it was just something i recognized and noticed and and so it all connects together the themes are all there i hope they are we just ex- explored all of them but you know it just felt like that and so it wasn't as smooth as uh other episodes for me but it was a great reminder that this is a uh first episode of a season and again, to mention Game of Thrones from 2012 on, every review of the show, of the, of the first episodes, legally had to contain the words, it's setting the pieces and putting it on the board, right? Like, that that's what you do. And and, and I really felt it in this one, um, and it stood out. But in, in looking at it and analyzing it and finding those connections, the episode flowed for me a little bit better on the second viewing.
4: Yeah, I, I think that there is a little bump for me in the in the thematic uh adapting to change uh the previous seasons of mandalorian uh are almost always he's got a larger quest but each individual episode is a beginning middle and end of one part of his quest you know a side quest on the on the larger quest and i feel like this was organized much more thematically of like he wants to go to mandalore and redeem himself and he kind of he kind of pokes at it in three different ways he he goes and finds the armor mm-hmm. to show her this proof that it's real and she doesn't really give him the emotional support mm-hmm. <laughs> that he wants you know uh then he, he's he's approaching it practically of like i need this droid to help me if it is poisoned you gotta protect the kid so i'm kind of uh approaching mm-hmm. it practically and oh but now that has turned now into a side quest of i gotta find that chip and then instead of going anywhere to find the chip, he kind of goes to this third, like, ah, but you know what? Bo-Katan might come with me. Maybe she can help me. Yeah. Uh, I'll join. That's big that he said he'll yeah, join the yeah. movement, right? Huge. Huge. Um, so I think it, it, did, it did bump for me a little bit because it wasn't the normal, he's got one quest, here's the beginning, the middle, and end. But mm-hmm. it, it was all focused on the, mm-hmm. I need to go to Mandalore, but I need help for it who can who can help me and now we've got all of these set pieces uh the the threat to navarro the anger of the pirates at him mm-hmm. his relationship with the armor the possibility of bo katan coming he could run into a bunch of uh her former friends who are mercenaries we don't know yeah. um so a lot was set up but but it was structured differently than mm-hmm. other mandalorian episodes
3: yeah, yeah, and I know uh, Rick's got three episodes this season, so I'm curious to see what he does because I've I've been, I've loved all of his other episodes. It took me a, a little bit to to get Chapter Six up to the level of uh, the other ones uh, that I enjoy, but uh, he's so great. I just love his work. I, I just really love him, um, and um, yeah. So I just had I, I was like, oh, okay. I was it, it just it like I said three three act three different plays, not even three act play, three different plays, which is totally fine. Totally fine, but but I'm with you on it. At the end of it, and especially second viewing, the connections are there, and truly, the pieces are back on the board.
4: The pieces are back on the board. I would have ruined the episode, but uh, there's a comic beat in my mind where is Din is uh, vowed to find out if it's poisoned, and she's saying goodbye, Din Jarn. That he, he pops back in and goes, D- you, you don't happen to have a memory chip for an IG droid, do you? <laughs> do you? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I gotta take care of that, too. Uh, yeah. Slim, slim possibility there of, of that happening. Yeah, no, I love Rick uh, Fumigawa's uh, direction. Every moment feels so confident and and uh, aware of what that beat is about. Great mix of comedy, action, and setting the the plot and theme table. Much agreed. All right, shall we take a quick break and return? Let us return. Excellent. We'll be back in a moment. And we are back to continue our discussion of the first episode of season three of The Mandalorian, chapter 17, The Apostate. We love talking the big ideas, but we also like to get into the fun details, uh, the Star Wars canon and lore connections and action and comedy and all sorts of great stuff like that. So we're going to dive in, Ken, by first talking about some of the big canon things uh, there had been a lot of discussion about. Will there be... Uh, characters that we know returning that had been, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of the the surprises and thrills uh, and sometimes criticisms of season two. But you, the first episode of season two, Cobb Vanth, an obscure mm-hmm. character from a book explodes onto the scene and Boba Fett is back and the great dragon. Uh, and this episode, something even bigger, purgles, <laughs> yes. physically bigger, even bigger than the great dragon purgles uh the purgles of course the uh hyperspace traveling space whales introduced in rebels uh ken how did you feel about the purgles presence man we are
3: we just we are just uh one step away from puffer pigs and i can't wait for this day uh, I loved it. It was a beautiful scene for those who may be listening to uh, only listen to force Center in the last couple of years. or just haven't followed my journey around this uh, hellscape that is digital media. Um, I, I, I was at in the past, I think perhaps a little outspoken about the space whales, but I, I to clarify it, it and, and, and time has changed my perspective on it without a doubt, much like the puffer pigs. Uh, I, I do love them more than I did back uh, when they showed up. But for me, it was like the space whales, the pergo are, are, it's such a wild, crazy, kind of out there concept especially when you first see it and we last night or this episode this is the first time a lot of people are seeing them i had to maybe do a little explaining on my couch last night to, to grace. um and and i think my, my point was there was a point at there was a time where where dave was being crowned king um as happens uh and, and this is around rebels and Um, people wanted him in the films and stuff. And Hey, look, we're we're here. Here's where we are. But I think I, I fought against it of like, Hey, you're all rejecting episode seven for whatever reasons. Um, This guy's got whales flying around in space. So it, maybe it wouldn't work as much as you want it to be because you want some lore based pew, pew, pew. And and I'm unearthing up, (laughs) digging up old debates and fights and, and stuff like that. I've moved well beyond, but, to see it now to see where it's grown and see what it means to see what it represented, And it's just a beautiful shot. And then yes, it, it tips maybe a, not just a cap to rebels, but it maybe looks forward to Ahsoka. Who knows? Who knows? Or it was just this wonderful moment in which they are there. And if you see them and you feel them and are connected, they'll be there, show themselves to you and you can maybe see them. So it worked for me on that level as well as just a, Hey, check by the box. Those, those space whales are still flying around. I, I loved it. In the end, I loved it. I loved it a lot.
4: Yeah. I really, really loved it. it. It it made me literally sit up on my couch and, and give a little purgle cheer. I really love the purgles. I I, I, I abuse the word uh, "pulpy" and now beginning to uh, abuse the term "high fantasy" by using them so much. But but it's really important to my love of Star Wars that it is pulling on these uh, ideas of the the fantastic and mm-hmm. the otherworldly. But somehow we still see reflections of ourselves in the in the real world and the utterly fantastic. And I love kind of taking that, that idea of, you know, humanity really did look around and like, how, how, how are birds flying?
1: Mm-hmm.
4: We want to do that. And the idea that maybe it's lost to most people. So it's just a, a myth and a rumble that this, you know, uh, technical thing of like advanced mm-hmm. beings have hyperspace travel. Actually, it's an ancient natural thing. And somebody looked and saw those pergos and went, we can do that. We have, to. what are they doing? We can do that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I like that it is both fantastic and there is something about our, our real world sense of wonder, uh, that I see in the Burgles. Um, so yeah. I really like them end up being, uh, really important in rebels. Um, yeah, yeah. they're just a great visual, right? If if you have no idea what the what the purgles are, you're just like, oh, I get it. But when it's when it's the when it's the weird blue cone, they're in hyperspace. Got it. I remember that. <laughs> when it's the weird blue paper mache, whatever, they're in hyperspace. Yeah. What the bleep are those? It's still powerful, I think. Um, and yeah. invites. Uh, I I, just, I think the value in this episode is, um, Grogu is eyes open looking at the galaxy, mm-hmm. wanting to know, wanting to understand, wanting to engage. And at first, mm-hmm. when he just sees something mm-hmm. kind of big and mysterious, like he kind of reaches out towards it. I'm like, yes, what is yes. that? Mm-hmm. And then as more and more of them come, and we pull back to that shot where the N1 is so dwarfed by them. Mm-hmm. He gets oh, a little scared okay. and needs to go to daddy's lap. That's and it's great. it's so relatable, right? Because mm-hmm. th- this is uh, I- any of our journey on, on a new and frightening adventure, right? When you're like, I have my eyes open. I'm ready for a new adventure. Look at that beautiful thing. Okay, now I'm scared. Um, mm-hmm. that it it it's so about Grogu's journey. So if if they were never in canon before and they were a total mystery, they'd be kind of beautiful in, in this moment for me.
3: Yeah, and and, and I, I I much like you talk about the the music earlier. I I don't know if, how intentional this was, but but it it definitely works for me. Seeing again the the the, the building of a Mandalorian helmet. And seeing, again the hyperspace in these in these magical whales this this just organic to the core this whole concept uh it uh, I, it is a connection for me as a fan who who um it's not a bad way to look at it but i you know i didn't I never once in 1983 went do you think uh think they copied birds or whales on this uh when when <laughs> we yells punch it chewy no no nor would you um boba Fett, did you know, i don't think ah oh, some some very traditionally based armor just, just hammered the hell out of Sebeskar into that. <laughs> and it's, and it's this beautiful ceremony. Nah, I just, he probably went down to the armor store and got it. And I, so I love that we can go reevaluate some of the core themes of Star Wars and just what we knew and what we thought we understood about Star Wars and explore it in a different way. That's, I think, a lot of the driving uh, focus of, of our shows here. Uh, and I think, I hope that works for folks. Cause again, I get it. I, 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 I'm a space whale guy, right? Uh, hashtag why? And, and, and to actually stop and analyze the why of it, not like what is, what is, what's going on here to analyze? What does it mean? I love that. I love that shot. Shot beautifully. Dean Cundy, uh, doing the cinematography here, Mm -hmm. of course, returning to, he's done some work here before for Star Wars. Um, just a beautiful scene. And, and the VFX, VFX crews, everyone there. I, I think it's one of my favorite shots in a long time on star Wars. And, and, and to your point, it's, it's like a chihuahua in a rainstorm. I want to go outside. Oh no, that's too much for me, dad. I deal with that. I've been dealing with that for three, four days. So, uh, and yes, we call Francis our chihuahua, our little baby Grogu. So, um, everything about it. So happy, so happy to see it.
4: Yeah. I relate to the chihuahuas as well. I had to go out in the rain and I was not happy about it. Um, I, but I, so, so if that's all it is, that's great. But there's also that little, th- this episode didn't spend as much time on, on Grogu's abilities. He he seemed more confident. Uh We'll talk about some of his, his force use, but there was also that question of, are, are is anybody who would awake see them or were they curious about Grogu? Were they drawn to him? Mm. Um it, We might never see them again in the Mandoverse, but, but they did factor into the end of rebels, not going to, you know, spoil it if people haven't seen it. So, it is a possibility of setting them up in live action for an important role later in the season or an important role in uh, Ahsoka or, mm-hmm. you know, Grogu being able to make a connection with them. I'm open to all those uh, possibilities, but if not, it's also just a, a beautiful moment that works for this episode.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Also, I would have loved the conversation of Dave around the table. Going, well, John, we can put these whales in. What are you talking What you
4: <laughs> We got whales.
3: Okay, cool, cool. All I only watched, I I watched the big episodes of Rebels with Sabine and the dark saber. <laughs> By the way, I saw, I saw a wonderful interview. There was a, all these interviews going out. There was there was a moment there where where someone was talking about things and and and. Dave, uh, John was like, Well, you know, I think it's Sabine's an example of that. And Dave was like, Well, you know, maybe not. But I just I just love that John <laughs> is full on board from sitting in that panel in twenty nineteen going, I don't know, I don't really like the prequels, but Dave's trying to make work on me to end one Starfighter being there to now we now we're going the other way with N and all this stuff. Like I I, I loved it and and I love it. Just love the that uh, connection and, and, and the again, the powerful why behind it.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um we don't necessarily need to talk about the why of this next one, but we should talk about the canon of it. Uh, mm-hmm. we've talked about the why before, you can you can dig it up. Uh the fate of Cara Dune. Mm-hmm. Um I think this was something that that people were uh wondering about. Uh Lucasfilm had made the statement that yeah, the the actor mm-hmm. is not uh currently contracted for any future work with us. That was uh, a, a statement that was made years ago mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and I think there was that question of whether it would be acknowledged, particularly since Mando was going back to Navarro. Mando uh, often went to uh, Caradun uh, for mm-hmm. help. And we get this this quote that um, her absence is is kind of a problem for Navarro, for grief Karga, because they don't have a marshal. We learn that after she brought in Moff Gideon uh, to the New Republic, she was recruited by special forces. How did you feel about it being acknowledged? How did you feel about the acknowledgement of it? Uh, did it all work for you?
3: It, it did, and, and you could make some poochie jokes and and went home to her planet and all that stuff and and um and she couldn't because it's all drawn. it's yep. all drawn yeah. <laughs> um, I, you could go that way. you know i I'll tell you what I had a little I just kind of went <laughs> to myself, right um, but I like the choice. number one, I think you have to, uh, out of respect to the character. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's leave the performer aside, the, the character, in case you want to recast the character. Maybe you want to approach it another way. I don't know. Or maybe a human being learns that, this, uh, you know, belief in uh, your right to say whatever you want, even if it destroys and hurts other people. Maybe it's a wrong way and they change. It. I don't know. Star Wars is big. But I'll just say I like it and like that the character is, is alive and perhaps even thriving. Uh, because I do like the character. The character was good for me. Uh, and and the story there, and the potential there. So it leaves it open, but also it's it's just fair. It, it and and it and it worked really well for me, as well as being you know somewhat funny. I, I can get behind some of the the jokes or gifts or something that I'm sure going to come. Roll it out, but um, uh, they 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 took it head on in the best way they could.
4: Yeah, no, I mean I the a, a meme of that that famous joke uh from from Simpsons with the quickly inserted. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it being replaced instead of uh, went back to his home planet. Uh, Poochie was recruited by special forces. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's funny to me. It's an acknowledgement of the tension between fiction and, and uh, how much we know that the the story behind the fiction in our modern world. But in terms of just like, let's look at uh, in, in the world of Star Wars and the story of Mandalorian. I loved it. I love that they acknowledged it um, because it would be weird for, for Jin to be back there and not really ask um, it sets up a great tension of, of uh, grief needing someone to fill that role. Um, mm-hmm. But also, it's a great arc for the character of Kara Dune that matches the arc that she was on and matches the theme of this episode mm-hmm. of change. We yeah. meet her of trying to kick Din off off of Sorgan because she needs a place to hide out. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and she's staked this because she's wanted by the new Republic. She crossed some lines mm-hmm. in her anger and uh, need for vendetta uh, about Alderon is the way that I uh, always took that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of opens up enough to be, okay, I'll be part of this out- outer rim community. And then Carson Teva gives her that real, like, but you have, the ability to make a difference. You have Mm -hmm. these strengths to be a part of something larger. And she Mm -hmm. accepts being a marshal, not just of Navarro, but of the the new Republic, a a, a deputy, right? Of the new Republic. Mm -hmm. So it is, it continues that path of growth of like, oh, wow. I I, I was wrong that I'm done with this world. I made a difference. I helped bring in this horrific war criminal. Mm -hmm. I still have a purpose. Uh, she's answering answering Carson Tev's call on a on a larger scale. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Awesome. All right. Well then we can move on to some other stuff. Um obviously just Navarro is a is a city of riches for I'm not gonna, you know, name every <laughs> uh Star Wars alien we see, uh, but I do want to celebrate the uh the and monkey lizard tree. Uh mm-hmm. great to see the the COO series Cook Droid. Uh mm-hmm. they they built one for Book of Boba Fett, so so <laughs> We get to have one here. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) bring it over. (laughs) But more than anything, uh, the Anzellans, of course, uh, Babu Frick, introduced in Rise of Skywalker, even people who are pretty down on that film uh, would often say that they enjoyed Babu Frick. Uh, The Anzellans, once again, voiced by Shirley Henderson, a a big Anzellan scene. Let's talk Anzellans Ken. How did you feel about all that?
3: Oh, I was waiting for it. I, You know, from, from the, the reveal at Star Wars Celebration, um, and safe to say, I, I'm not calling it, uh, 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 it's, uh, what did I put down here? I put it down as, oh, I, Other Frick. Yeah, that's right. Other, real original, Ken. But not Babu, but Other Frick for me. Um, I loved it. And, and even from, the moment, from, the, from the moment he points at IG-11, I was like, oh, we're going to get him. This is the episode. <laughs> going right to him. <laughs> Uh, from the design of the little door, the, the, the comedy, maybe some of it doesn't work for everyone and, and maybe there's good reasons for it. But I, I, don't know. I just I just love it from 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 bad baby, bad baby. I, I'm going to be saying that for a bit. Um, I, lo- I loved everything about it and a and, uh, fun, fun use of Star Wars lore.
4: Yeah, no, I really agreed. I was so glad that it was Shirley Henderson. I, mm-hmm. I really liked that vibe that like y- y- you go into, you know, a, a, a car garage, um, you know, and, and the people there have uh, they're there to help you and you're paying them. But they also have their their culture and their thing that's on TV and their jokes and their thing they're talking to you about. And I just kind of like that they've got this this mm-hmm. culture, this vibe uh, that's really fun. Uh, and really interesting, and I liked that it. I liked that it wasn't. Uh, that it evolved from Babu Freck. I loved that they had yeah. <laughs> the, the small door. <laughs> yeah, it, it,
3: it, it, it wonderfully silly, right? It just but but we wouldn't want any other way. I, I, yeah, and the fact that the, the whole scene was some fun comedy we'll talk about, but yeah, absolutely, the design was was great.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get back to the end more when we talk about comedy. But uh, a couple other canon things. Uh, Kalevala, uh, the planet that uh, Din finds Bo-Katan on, uh, is the canonical homeworld of uh, Satine from the Clone Wars animated series and House of it, it was first mentioned in the Clone Wars animated series, so it, it is established animated canon um, mm-hmm. I really liked the design of the Mandalorian castle. I kind of thought like some of the beams and the architecture outside echoed the hilt of the dark saber and, mm-hmm. and all of it, it was very reminiscent of, uh, of the throne room on, on Sundari and, you Absolutely. know, different, mm-hmm. uh, Mandalorian architecture. So any thoughts about that? I,
3: I, I, I was amused by that's a Mandalorian castle. Like how many other, there's Fortress Vader and this. I don't know a lot of other <laughs> castles in Star Wars, but no, I'd love that. No, and I love the, it was, um, there's a great shot. Uh, Talking about uh, just how how the, um, the the technology and all this continues to improve. There's a great shot when he's flying in. It just looks so real. No other ways for describe it of the N one flying in through the rain, through the clouds, heading towards the castle. It was a great little Star Wars moment.
4: Yeah, and just for me, it's that beautiful, delicious Star Wars genre stew of we we go from pirates to a sci-fi mm-hmm. castle you know it's yeah. uh, just great uh, so yeah I, I was really excited by it excited to, to remember that it was connected to clone wars and uh, mm-hmm. hoping for more uh, house crees and, and Satine connections as we go on um yeah yeah, yeah last thing for me is um uh, i didn't do a deep dive on all of the various symbols on the flags that the children of the watch were holding but uh, one of the flags did have what looked like the the boba Fett f from his sigil on his chest armor mm, um mm. that that sigil in legends was Jaster reels sigil and uh, the sigil is unidentified in modern canon but just seeing the f i was like is that the f for foundling <laughs>
3: yeah yeah foundling flag yeah.
4: the foundling flag i didn't know uh so n- nothing more to say about that other than uh, fun speculation i look forward to uh, other people with more knowledge and, and more time doing deeper yeah. dives on some of those Mandalorian flag symbols. Did you have any other canon
3: thoughts? Uh, no, I think that was pretty good. I know, well, a lot of people are talking about it's uh, a Legends connection, but uh, the pirate ship is is a similar design. I mean, almost you could say it is the design of the Eclipse from Legends, the big um, Emperor's Star Destroyer uh, ship. So, um, mm-hmm. which an Aftermath, you have some connection there too, if I remember. So, yeah, but, but it, and, and um, I love it. I love it as a callback to something a lot of people know, but I was, it's just a great design. So, mm-hmm happy to see it
4: yeah no it's great it's great more galactic uh, galaxy building let's move on then to action did you have some favorite action moments in these uh big set pieces
3: i uh, you know um mando's return and, and and talk about the timeline fun again going to is this a flashback what are we seeing um if you stop and think about it again um it's wesley kemmel uh playing the young kid i, I you know uh, you wouldn't necessarily want him cast as a young pedro so so that's the reality of it, but you're not necessarily thinking about it in that time, right? Um, mm-hmm. You're kind of like, what are we watching? It what do we watch? Is this, are we back in time? Because again, uh, you know, it's no longer just pause and, and, and the armor. We got a whole whole uh, uh, clan around it, so uh, the the return. The, the explosion, the ship, the flying off uh, down to the little pop reveal, which is almost comedy. I thought it was just a great mm-hmm. big introduction, a great beat full of action uh, and, a, and a really tense scene. Uh, uh, Grace was uh, watching it with a uh, uh, very gripped up, just, you know, water, not water's out of everything and the big creature and everything about it. It was a great opening sequence. So I, I love that. But Amanda's re- return, that big beat, the music cue, wonderfully done.
4: Yeah, it was just a great set piece, and, and I agree. Like uh, I, I like water. Um, I generally mm-hmm. like pools <laughs> more than actually dipping my di- dipping my head uh, mm-hmm. uh, under uh, under deep water. Uh, he said a thing I didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, being uh entirely mm-hmm. encased in armor and going underwater seems not great. Um, but I really did uh like that. It felt like actual high stakes for mm-hmm. these. Mm-hmm these Mandalorians. Um, I, I love the armor just grabbing the child, the interruption of the ceremony and, and just no question about it, grabbing the child mm. and trying to throw it to safety. Yeah. Um, a bunch of great individual beats, but my favorite was, uh, the beast, uh, tail slapping the random Mando into a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Pain. It was, yeah. In the, uh, the, uh, caption of man screaming as he flew ah. into a cliff. Great, great stuff. Yeah. Um, I also really did love the, um, uh, disturbing zombie IG-11 with the terminate asset, terminate asset, uh, obviously, you know, I say zombie IG-11, but really had some, some terminator vibes, right. Of like, I only have one limb left, but I'm still fighting. Uh, yeah. how'd you feel about that little action beat?
3: Yeah. I loved it. Also, I think, um, maybe it's cause I just, uh, Phil Tippett's on my brain with that recent poker face episode, but I, it had a little stop motioning vibe. So mm-hmm. he's done some work before. So I wonder if the sum will be revealed. I, I just love it. Uh, it, was, it was its own little horror one act play right there. Right. <laughs> it was, yeah. It this torso killer torso going around.
4: You're right. It did have a little bit of a stop motion vibe, which was really mm-hmm. great. Um, mm-hmm. And I did. I I I am not a huge fan of the the line that's using your head. That one's <laughs> that one's maybe not for me. And that's fine. Uh, but I did like the droid using the ego statue.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I love that grief had a statue of him, like a bus just sitting there. Like, of course you would, grief. Love you, that. Love you. Yeah, the line was, uh, you know, it was a choice. Yeah,
4: it was a choice. It was a choice. Uh, any other action moments for you? Did you did you like the the you know bigger uh, space battle, the asteroid chase?
3: I I did I I did and and a couple things about that and and this is again going back to to my journey with the show and even to Chicago 2019 when they showed unfinished footage of manda right it was our first tease and even favreau on stage going yeah we got a lot of work to do let's get back to it i i've always some of the stuff in space on this show has not um, clicked for me as much uh as other things right i just i don't know the ships don't look as is right i i can't put my finger on it just 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 doesn't feel right not not so here i love that sequence i thought it was really good uh put together again the the, the eclipse like ship helped as well but the dogfight was uh uh, in, in space was was really good for me it worked and the n1's just looking great and it it's just fun to have the n one there and i, I was going to ask can we say the sound of the n1 starting up is is that an action beat that that uh, that, that sports car <laughs> that, uh, that that gets going there i just love everything about it but the, the n1 is just
4: looking great on camera it was so great to just spend time with the N1 and just mm-hmm. the energy, right? It contributes to the new energy. It, it is yeah. the, the, the meaning of the thing, of something old that be, has become new again and didn't embracing new things. But it just looks and sounds great. I, I wrote that down under anything that we haven't talked about because I want to be sure to mention. I love that hot rod rumble mm-hmm. as he was starting it up on Navarro. So great. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah and I I agree with you. I think some individual shots uh, of ships in space in Mandalorian have looked great. Um but you know there's that that kind of small little dogfight at the beginning of uh chapter 5 mm-hmm. uh, season 1 uh that it, it looks fine. Uh this looked great. And this look like we're going to show you what, what we can do now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know there are a lot of people who kind of miss seeing some of those dogfight stuff. It hasn't been in, uh, Star Wars as often mm-hmm. uh, for being mm-hmm. such a central part of the original trilogy, uh, in particular and great stuff in, in the prequels as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I really liked the, the meaning of it of like, okay, well, he, Din was doing what was right and helping out a friend. And now he's got this other problem. Yeah. Um, so it was great to see but what i liked about it was the storytelling of it and my favorite shot in it is them losing track of din and then an explosion behind an asteroid mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that din has turned the tables uh it's just it, rick Femme, you i think it is a is a fan of that kind of action and telling a story in the action uh but it really just it, it evokes um what what Rick Famuyiwa did within in the episode one episode uh, or season one episode the prisoner right mm-hmm. of totally. making him kind of scary right yep. making you think like oh he's kind of in danger oh no and it goes back to uh, early stuff that the armor said of like to to be a Mandalorian is to be both hunter and prey like mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. always be after you and you're gonna be a hunter or prey in in a situation and you should be the hunter if you can and. Mm-hmm the number of times that we watch Din start out uh, being the prey and turn around and become the hunter and yeah. it's cool and scary. And I thought that was really well done in this action scene.
3: That's, no, that's a great point. I'm bringing back that line. Love it.
4: Excellent. Well, then let's move on to some comedy, some whimsy, uh, any, any grizzled weirdos moments. <laughs> Classic uh, discussion for us here on the Mandalorian Report about grizzled weirdos. Uh, what did you like in this episode for the fun stuff?
3: Yeah, I got to start with those, those cape droids, man. It's uh, didn't see that yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't wear a lot of capes uh, and, and flowing robes, but I think that would work. Uh, and I just loved it and, and seemed rather uh, practical r- as well. Like you heard you heard the, the real good job in the clunk. Maybe it was just the sound design, but I loved it. Uh, yeah, it was just, and it just, fit uh, Grief is such a wonderful character from, from, you know, meeting him and he's a little more on the scoundrel side, but still just the mendo of it all. Um, maybe wave your hand, do the magic thing, all the stuff. I just love and love him and love having Carl Weathers in Star Wars, and it just—it's uh, a perfect evolution of this character. Bigger and bigger robes, so big that droids got to help me.
4: Yeah, I absolutely love it, and yeah, he's always got that side of his personality. He's holding court in yeah. in the cantina, right? He's saying things the the things that he wants to be loud loud so everybody hears them right mm-hmm. um so he's always got this sense of of presentation right even that weird uh hollow message he, he gives to yeah. to yeah. din in season one laying everything out is really like this this speech in front of people yeah. um and i think we all kind of had the same joke of like it's funny that his robes are bigger in season two and
2: mm-hmm. this is
4: just making it so clear of like yeah, no, that, that that wasn't like a whoops that mm-hmm. the audience caught. That's who he is, and we're doing that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and if Navarro keeps uh, getting more successful, uh, he, he will have a combination of a cloak that is also his house, and his head will just be sticking out of it. Like, go. we're going bigger on purpose, and the, <laughs> the droids to carry his cloak train like he is an oldie-timey bride is hilarious. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> just the absolute artifice yeah. of it right
3: yeah yeah and, he, and he's, he's 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 uh he's not always nice about everything he's got again he's amigo invested like you said i i loved it like he's he's a little bit of uh uh, uh i think people love him and they rally around him but he, he uh he's something man he's a character
4: yeah he is absolutely great and I'm glad that we got some quality time with him and in the promise of more um going back to a beat you mentioned is almost being comedy i thought it was definitely comedy you got the the meaning and the depth and the high stakes of the Children of the Watch ritual, the, the beast attack, the tension, and then the, the fist-pumping Din's back moment. <laughs> and then all of it, all of it with this button of Grogu popping up. And yeah. if it was just Grogu popping up, it would be fun and fine. But I love Grogu popping up to this group of Mandalorians like, hey, everybody, it's <laughs> me, the guy who kind of effed up your life in lots of ways. <laughs> How's it going? I'm
3: back, you yeah. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Well, just, uh I, we're uh, three years into this, right? Or so, Um, including Book of Boba Fett stuff. I, I, I'm not tired of, of Grogu stuff. I don't know if I ever, I hope I am, never am, but it's just the spin and share, the stuff we saw in that clip they released, the the, the space Eminem, all the stuff, but just uh, every reaction is uh, so, so wonderful for me.
4: Yeah, yeah, and what what I really really enjoyed about the the chair spin because I hadn't really picked up on it in the trailer is that there's that tiny cue of that rushing air noise of the force. He's he's using the force to spin that chair.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
4: and and it's just, it, it's great to me too because like, as always, respect different you no know, opinions, but that was one of the big talking points that original trilogy ha- fans had about how the prequels were ruining Star Wars of mm-hmm. you know the force used to be majestic you know you mm-hmm. you use it to call the blade to your hand and now like you know Obi-Wan's using it cuz he's too lazy to close a door <laughs> right 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 <laughs> you know and i just kind of like uh, that that tension of like it is a, a a majestic power uh but also it can be used to been a chair because right. daddy's having a boring conversation about land rights
3: <laughs> and job offers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. So I love that. I also love the um, I'm curious to see how much it will play out. But the ongoing beat of people being uninterested or unimpressed by Grogu's name uh, I love because it. Yeah. yeah, when Pelly finds out, she's like, "I'm not calling you that." And then this this grief beat, <laughs> you like this grief beat?
3: I really did. I, I t- kind of forgot about the Pelly one until uh, uh, I completed my rewatch just last night of all the uh, of that episodes. I love it. and just uh, his name is Grogu. If you say so, I just
4: what? Oh, if you say so, just <laughs> uh, entirely disinterested in it. Whatever, fine. Mm-hmm. That was great. Um, obviously, ton of great comment comedy with the end zones, but what, what moments or lines spoke to you? I,
3: I uh, the communication gap worked for me, uh, um, on both sides. If I don't understand, do you speak Huttese, but also, uh, uh, grief translating when he doesn't need to <laughs> <It's> Just <really laughs> work. And worked, and then I liked having, again, what I'm calling other, other Frick, being able to speak a little bit of basic, uh, you know, with, with Babu, we got a little bit of it too, to be clear, uh, me- memory go blank, blank, but like, I just I d I don't know, some I I like that the this is kind of leader of the pack and no, nah, I got it. I can speak to the customer. I I just the beat of it is it, it worked for me. The 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 big hug, I'm sure we'll mention Grogu hugging him, uh was was just wonderful. Uh, it, it's joy. I like a little mm-hmm. joy in my Star Wars.
4: Yeah, no, I agree with you and, and I do like, you know, their style of language, the no squeezy and deboken deboken, mm-hmm. uh to to just uh communicate that IG eleven is broken. Uh, but I think I, I most enjoyed their attitude and the comedy, their attitude, right? Of, in mm-hmm. theory, they're, you know, a business, right? Yeah. Uh, and I love the shot when Din realizes uh, that the door is down there and looks down. <laughs> Got this little shirtless, Ansel and going, <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Uh, and then uh, the line where Din is saying, but I want this one. He's my friend. <laughs> and the, yeah. the lead ends and says, this "Is not a friend anymore. Yeah. And then you just hear all of them laugh, right? That's that moment of, uh, it, it kind of <laughs> cruel, but that's that moment of community, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it might be your favorite car, but it's not going to be anymore because it doesn't run. You
3: know, it's it's a little off of space energy, but not going to work here
4: anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I loved all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the 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 squeeze the the child Grogu hugging. How would you feel about that?
3: I mean, come on. You, that's what you wanted. Give us what we want. Grogu hugging cute things. Like, let's do it. I loved it. I loved
4: yeah, it. Yeah. I loved it, too, because I think it was we have that line from from Din saying, I'm sorry, he's young. It's like Grogu is growing a lot, but that's kind of a clear stamp of like he is still a toddler. Right. And he mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's an evolution in that he didn't try to eat them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
4: But he wants to play with them. And it's just a fun beat on, like, this little guy going through the galaxy. Everybody is always looking down at him and patting his mm-hmm. head and cooing about how, you know, cute he is. And, like, mm-hmm. here he finally sees somebody smaller than him.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah. 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 I did, all of this made me think, though, I do want Macaroon Kid back. Oh, yeah. Um, an update to the story. Like, maybe he and Grogu share macaroons.
4: Oh, that'd be great, and then and we can you know settle the time uh, argument by seeing how old that kid is. <laughs> how old he is? <laughs> He's
3: a forty five year old male. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you took my macaroons and you ruined
4: me, kid. Back in the uh, day. Any other uh, moments of comedy or whimsy?
3: Uh, I think that was about it. There was, oh, oh. oh Here is what I noted. Uh, we talked about the IG Eleven returning and the action side of it, and I I think it even though I in the back of my head I I, I probably knew. Uh, the Anzellans were on their way to do something with um, IG Eleven. I, I thought it played really well. Beautiful music, the magic, the hand, and your buddy IG 11s back. Only he's going to try to kill go, Grogu. Go. I, I thought all that kind of worked well.
4: Yeah, no, it re- really did work. From like, oh, the beauty of the possibility of rebirth to the horror is mm-hmm. a great, a great switch. Yeah. Is there anything in this premiere that we haven't talked about that you wanted to address?
3: No, I think uh I think we hit it all pretty uh good here. It's good to have him back. Uh, big Star Wars night, the Bad Batch stuff, our uh, review coming out on that as well. So, it's a lot of fun out there in this episode delivered.
4: Yeah, absolutely. The last thing for me uh is I really really like the change that has happened with Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder who yeah. do so much of the the work uh, of physically being the Mandalorian uh along with Din Djarin that that had been a shift where they uh, brought Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder out at Star Wars Celebration uh, in uh, in Anaheim, and mm-hmm. and everybody made a big deal of like Pedro Pascal saying the three of us do this right. Mm-hmm. So to see them bumped up from the very small credits to the main credits, um, yeah, it, it, I thought that was great.
3: No, it's great, and 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 you know, um, the performers are actors, but they're they're also you know they're stunt performers, which is often a, a Group in Hollywood that doesn't get the respect uh, and support, uh, mm-hmm. and I think and they, they've been good. Even Book of Boba Fett was all the way through. A lot of the, a lot of stunt performers in in, in on camera speaking roles, and all that stuff. Like, it's been fun. So uh, I loved it, and, and well deserved.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. So as we head toward wrapping up, uh, you have not watched the season two uh, streamer, right? I have not, and uh, you, you choose episode two. Sorry.
3: Yeah, yeah. You can choose not to believe me, but you can ask my mom. Every year for Christmas, <laughs> up until the time I moved out of my house, she about three days, four before Christmas, three or four days would be like, "Hey, you, you want to open up some gifts?" And I'd be like, "Now, nah, wait for Christmas morning." Swear to you, I swear to you. Uh, that's me. Uh, I, I am not watching it. It's going to expire soon, By they're, they're very small window on those two two screeners. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to have some lunch and not watch them. So I don't know what's coming next.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I am going to stay strong. I'm inspired. I enjoyed this first episode so much mm-hmm. and it did leave me uh, wanting more in, in, a, in a good way. Uh, so it was really hard not to at like, you know, 1245 at night, uh, hit the button. But I'm not going to.
3: I'm not going to. Yeah.
4: So since we don't know what happens in the next episode, do you have any predictions or hopes for next week or, or the rest of the season?
3: I, I wonder if he's going to keep, you know, at what point does he just go straight there? Right. It, it, mm-hmm. He's a different part of his life. And and who else? Um, not a, not a, anyone we've met or who else along the way. But he decide to take with him it seems like he's not ready to go to mandalore until he has a droid to help him um so that could be kind of where we're going uh obviously um we know where we're headed it's just a matter of how soon and then uh you know again uh, um we got uh, our, our new pirate king Gorian shard who i definitely want to see more of um only to see the the, the green kelpie moss beard <laughs> shaking <laughs> shaking rage um um you know, I, I they're they're not done. That, that whole thing's not done. So again, nope. it's a matter of time, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I, yeah, I think I think we're ready to kick it up a notch, and I'm excited.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm curious if there'll be any any amount of hey, I need these this other person or this other pr- provision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought there was a little ambiguity of like uh, he says that he'll get the memory chip, and then I believe grief says something along like if anybody can find it, the Anzellans can. So mm-hmm. uh, I was a little unclear how much his his next mission is get the memory chip, but. Um, that could be a classic, Hey, uh, I need you to do this job for me <laughs> to give you this memory chip. Um, but what I really hope, and I'd be really intrigued by this episode did touch on Grogu did touch on his force use, but it felt like real, real table setting for what is absolutely at stake with Din. I'd be really interested if the second episode did a little bit of table setting for, for Grogu of, uh, seeing a little bit more of his skills advanced and, and understanding his perspective and his challenge a little bit more. Mm, yeah, that that could work. I love them. All right. We are going to wrap up as we always do with a hopefully fun question. Uh, Ken, what action figure or merch would you want inspired by this episode of The Mandalorian?
3: I I think I do want a a figure of grief in his full cape glory with the droids. But I think I'd like someone out there to get inspired by this and actually uh, build the cape droids. Then I'd have good reason to buy a cape.
4: Oh, oh, what do you think are the possibilities of Star Wars Celebration having uh, some some cape droids?
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You got you got to get building fast. You got to get building fast if you're going to do it. But I I think those cosplayers can pull that off.
4: Oh, I think so. Uh, I I was inspired for for two bits of merch. Uh, One, I don't know, there's just some vibe about the Anzelans all hanging out. I want to I want a painting of them. Uh, maybe just playing a game in the style of dogs playing poker. It just seems like they would fit into that kind mm. of painting. Yeah,
3: I'll take that. That's great.
4: And then, of course, always need action figures. I really hope that we do get a deluxe action figure of uh, of sweatpants energy Bo-Katan <laughs> with bummed out throne. I would love that.
3: Yeah, one of those real gentle giant detailed ones. Just that you don't <laughs> even you don't even need to move Bo-Katan. It's just that's what it is. That would put put that above your TV. It captures the captures the energy.
4: Yeah, the vintage in the Black series you know, figures are 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 beloved by people who really want lots of articulation. So you can, you know, pose the characters in action poses. And I love the idea of a, a really well articulated Bo Katan figure. <laughs> so you can drape her legs yeah. over the throne there. Yeah. That'd be great. In that depressed way she is. She is sitting. All right. That is our big look at this first episode of season three. Ken, where can people find us?
3: Hey, here's where you can find us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on uh, Hive Social if you're there at Four Center. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is Four Center Podcast. And we're on YouTube. Hey, we're enjoying uh, a lot of you uh, jumping over there with us, subscribing. Uh, we have uh, episodes, uh, figure fights, uh, essays. Uh, we got shorts, a lot of things uh, heading over there. So, uh, Head uh, going on with so Head on over there to YouTube if you would like merch is available. But dot slash user slash force center. You can find the podcast in a lot of different spots, including Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast. Just search, you'll find us. And you can support us directly at patreon.com dot slash force center. From there, if you want to discuss. Uh, Mando Moore with some uh, great Force Center friends. Get into our Discord via our Patreon page. Follow me at Ken Knappsock. Go to my website, Ken Uh Joseph, where can they find you? And what are we doing out there in
4: London? Do we know? Yeah, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, you can uh, find me on all the social media is at Joseph Grimshaw. And while you're checking out the Force Center YouTube, you can check out my YouTube channel. Got a lot of uh, comedy and short films and more coming there. Uh, but for us, we have a mini announcement. Uh, we are going to be in Star Wars Celebration in London. And the ticket link is coming soon. But we wanted to give people a heads up and an announcement that Ken and I are doing a stand-up comedy show in London. Uh, we'll be doing some um, pop culture influence material because that's who we are. But it is also both are just general stand-up sets as well as uh, some, some other fun and game coming to be announced. That show is going to be on Sunday, April 9th in London. Sunday, April 9th. Ticket link coming very soon if you're interested in that. Anything else to say about that one, Ken? I
3: cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun to be uh, live in London with all of you. So details, uh, more details coming and where you can get the tickets, like Joseph said. But
4: see you there. Yeah, coming soon. See you there. But that is it for this episode. So, for myself, for Ken, for Grief, Karga's Cape, Cloak, Droids, this has been The Mandalorian Report.